0: All right. Hey guys, Jonathan here again. Hey, so to give a quick intro to this episode, we were invited by Metadata to attend their Demand 2022 event, uh, which is really fun, uh, kind of a cool virtual event that they did. And what we talked about was how to build high-performing ad creative. And it wasn't just about building the creative itself. It also went into some really cool stuff around optimizing for in-channel consumption, And some exact examples of that. So I think that most of you will get some good value out of this. So we want to just uh, repurpose this right on the podcast for anyone that is listening and hope you guys enjoy. So So by the end of today, you will have seen somewhere in the range of 5,000 to 10,000 ads. If you just think about that, right? Radio, print, YouTube ads, LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, you're waiting at the gas station, you get that little small screen, you're seeing ads there. There's, there's just a lot. There's a lot of noise that's going on. The industry itself, actually, in the U.S alone, not even worldwide, U.S alone, represents around 300 billion dollars, and it continues to rise. The other thing to consider, too, is that you've also not got inventory that's always on the rise as well. So there's not endless amounts of channels. there's a handful of channels, which means that as people dump more money into these various ad platforms, ultimately it's going to become more competitive. So the question that we really need to ask ourselves is how do we become this beautiful pink sheep in the, in the front here versus kind of the semi-gray white sheep that are in the back that are not getting attention from their ads? And that's the big question. Even if you were like lightly colored pink, that would even be better, right? So um, so that's the goal. We want you to stand out. Um, so real quick, I don't know if there's an intro. In this tech or not, my name is Jonathan Bland, the co-founder of OmniLab. Uh, We do demand gen, paid media, creative for a lot of B2B SaaS brands. But uh, what I'm going to be talking about is how to do uh, and build high-performing creative uh, for SaaS and tech brands. Uh, But there's actually four prereqs before we actually even get into talking about ad creative. And um, interestingly, a lot of those actually don't necessarily have to do anything with the building of the creative itself. It's actually indirectly related to really successful creative. So, so I'll kind of walk through a couple of those and then we'll get into some ads and all sorts of other stuff. But one is ultimately we have to solve a really important problem, right? And this kind of goes without saying, if you're an early stage or a seed stage company and you want to start spending money on ads, you need to ultimately make sure that your problem's big enough and that you've got a product that solves that big problem because otherwise people aren't really going to want to move to moving to whatever you're offering. So that's a really big, important part, right? Because all the messaging and the stuff that you put in the creative ultimately is going to have to center around some of these problems that you're solving. The next one, and you, everyone's heard this a billion times over, right? If you're on LinkedIn, you've heard me say it, you've heard a billion other people say it, you gotta have a deep understanding of your customer. If you don't, then everything else will fall below, right? So creative won't uh, align, messaging won't be good, you won't have great content and all other things, right? So this kind of is one of these prereqs that goes without saying that we all have to make sure we do. The next one is really developing a point of view or even the, the strategic narrative, which I think both kind of play into the same world. But uh, metadata has obviously been really good at this. A lot of others have done this. Andy Raskin's of course, famous for kind of, you know, developing his framework around this. Uh, but point of view is really just, what's your angle? Like what's your approach in relation to all the other people out there, right? Cause your point of view is what makes you unique. So that's what we need to do. And if we can make that stand out inside the creative, whether it's the copy or within the headline, or even your content and all things that are related to your brand, the better, right? Because you're going to stand out and you're going to be that beautiful pink sheep we looked at earlier. Now, the fourth one is going to be great content, right? So behind every good ad, I've got one ad here, is content, whether it's a product marketing page, a blog, a guide, an ebook, whatever it may be, right? Like there's content behind that that you're trying to lead people to, to consume and ultimately move to buy or get in a sales cycle with your product or try it out or whatever your goal is. So content is a very key part of this. Now, you can create the best headlines in the world and the best design, the best creative and all sorts of other things, but without good content behind it, it's just not going to stick. It's not going to resonate. So you can't get mad at your in-house agency or your, for your um, or your your in-house marketing team or your agency if your content's not good, right? Because ultimately, you know, that's what people are looking for, something that's really truly valuable that you give your take or your perspective on. And then five, last last one here, and then we're gonna actually get into look some ads, right? This whole thing's about ads. So we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of examples with some data as well, but targeting your ads to your ICP should be a dumb moment. ICP, for those that don't know, ideal client profile. So this is your ideal type of buyer that you wanna go to. If you create a really awesome ad, but you send it to the wrong person, guess what, not gonna work. So, so that's something to consider as well. These are probably the five that I think about probably the most with anything related to, uh, to paid ads. So let's get into what I call a, a pink print um, kind of fun we were just messing around with this whole idea uh blueprints and pink prints, but anyway, just having some fun so there's a lot on this slide, but the important things to kind of take away and I'm gonna just kind of pull a few of them and then we're actually to look at some ads. but as I mentioned before, like the whole you know challenging the status quo or having a point of view should resonate throughout the ad, right so these arrows are not pointing to specific parts necessarily in the ad they're just pointing to general sections by the way uh, so don't. Don't think that they mean uh, the introductory text here, just the headline. Uh, the other thing is to think about how long the headline is. And we've done a lot of testing on headlines, length, and long ones, short ones, etc. cetera. Uh, Facebook obviously is very picky about this when you're launching ads. They generally want a shorter, um, they want less characters and less words on the actual ad. LinkedIn's a little bit more liberal with that. Uh, but ultimately we try to stay around the rule of eight to 12 words in a single headline. And the reason for that is, think about it, you've got a split second or a handful of seconds to impress someone or to change their opinion or to get a message across. So the shorter it is, the better. Um, The other thing too, that we'll actually talk about how to do this is making sure that your headlines are outcome-based where they're sparking curiosity. And this is actually interesting because Metadata as well did some research on this and we see the same thing with all the different ad accounts that we're in. When there's curiosity in the headlines, such as, someone pointing out a question or a problem that maybe someone hadn't thought about before, but they were kind of curious, understanding more, they're more likely to have more engagement on the ad itself, whether that again, be in channel, you know, in the actual ad platform itself, or clicking and going to whatever the piece of content or the website is. So, so there's that to consider, but making sure those messages are outcome-based and focused on what the ultimate person wants, right? Uh, The last thing that I'll mention on the slide, there's a couple of others that I won't be able to get to everything. Uh, Mark and Mia told me to keep this under 25 minutes, so I'm trying to do my best here. But uh, there's the visuals ultimately should also attach to the headline. So, you know, if you're talking about a HubSpot integration, then maybe use the HubSpot logo. Or if um, you're using a play on words and use the word, you know, climbing a mountain or something like that inside the headline to kind of, you know, make a point then potentially you might have a mountain towards the right side of it. And it just kind of goes along with the ultimate message and it may help you also stand out more. So always thinking about how you how you use the visual elements inside an ad as they relate to the headline is really important. And the best you can do that, the better. And then the last thing I'll say before I move on from this slide is, ultimately we gotta have a good CTA that says what we want them to do. Now, the one thing that I'd see a lot of people do is LinkedIn and Facebook have their default uh, call to actions, right? Like some are requested demo and learn more and download and things like that. So you can't change them. However, inside the ad, you do have the flexibility. So you can kind of make it a little bit more fun. You don't have to just say what LinkedIn says to match it up. You could align the CTA a little bit better with the ultimate goal you want them to take, right? Um, so those are some kind of high level, you know, general tips around like making good creatives, uh, these little pink prints. And I'll have a little QR code at the end if anyone wants to just You know, take these away. It's not gated or anything, and no pitching, nothing crazy like that. Just purely if you want this, just for your own reference. So let's talk about what I just said on the last slide, which was creating good headlines that convert. So, one of the big things that we want to do is um, a place that I always start is if you just start with saying, um, and even actually before I even go into that, if you were to create a matrix, for example, and you have persona, 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 or the people that you're targeting on one column, and then you have another column with their different wants right and you might start by doing this by uh, listing out saying like hey i want xyz thing right what are the things that your buyers want and once you list out a bunch of those there may be some that'll probably be a little bit more differentiated for your business or not but once you have them now you've got a whole list of different headlines you can pull from so for example i want firmographic targeting on facebook that might be something that i want right and if i do then that's great and maybe what i can do then from there is move to step three and then say, okay, cool, I'm gonna move the pronoun I. And then in this case, I didn't use the word you, but a lot of times it's really great to use you because I'm focusing the attention back on you, the user, the buyer, or the person seeing the ad. In this case, I just dropped the I want, and then I've put more of an action verb, like get from a graphic targeting on Facebook, boom, that's what I want, that's what I wanna do. So you can take this whole kind of concept through to your website, landing pages, ads. This isn't just like related to like ad creative and platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook and whatnot, and even others outside of that. Uh, This really applies to anything that you're doing from a copy perspective. So uh, it's a really good exercise also to create good content. So let's finally, after what is it, slide 13, show me some ads, man, like what's going on? So the, um, the couple of ads here that I think really follow this well, and I chose a couple that we've done, a couple that some other people have done, uh, but focusing on benefits and outcomes, not features, is a big part of this, and making sure that that whole "I want" headline kind of makes sense. And a lot of these it does. Like, I want to get thirty dollars for every one dollar I spend on marketing, or I want to spend less time on Legion and more time on remarketing, or I want to put SOC two compliance on autopilot, so on and so forth. Right? You get the idea. But all of these headlines are ultimately aligning with what people want. Like, and this is this is good, right? Because people want to learn how they they do something differently and get away from the thing they've been doing today. So uh, so lots of different examples. I just had four here, just as a couple of quick ones, and there's a ton out there, but just some good things that we can keep in mind. Now to shift gears ever so slightly, um, 1% of people click on your ads. And for some that maybe are not in advertising directly, that may be shocking, like, oh my God, why would I be spending money on ads if so little people are clicking? But you forget that you could actually optimize for the 99% that don't click, which is great, right? And so many marketers are missing this opportunity. Everyone's sitting there saying, all right, well, I'm going to try to get my CPCs down to the bottom, my CPL down to the bottom. I just want to make sure that I get as many clicks to the, to my landing page. And yeah, that is a goal, right? We definitely need people ultimately to get to our website somehow. It doesn't have to be through an ad, by the way, though. Um, But yeah, it'd be great if most of them got there because that's how they fill out a form or whatever way you've got on your website to convert. So we're gonna be talking about just a couple of things. I don't wanna steal too much thunder. Uh, Amanda from SparkTora, I know, is talking in the metadata Demand 2022 conference, and she's gonna be talking about zero-click stuff, but this was just too good to not mention at least something. So I'll try to leave most of it for her and then um and then we can jump in on some other stuff. So ultimately the goal is what is in channel optimization? What does that even mean? In channel optimization just means that you're putting more of the value inside the channel. So instead of typically just putting a headline with a 3D ebook which we'll look at in just one second, you're actually putting something more like this, right? So you've got Drift on the left and you've got I think this is an ad that they ran a while ago, but it's a 3D ebook has a nice headline, all it's good the art of abN's all fine strategic guide to account based marketing you know all sounds fine and interesting. however, what I don't know is I don't know what's inside that book. I haven't looked inside it, you know, so I don't know what's there and we've all as marketers and even non marketers right salespeople or anyone else that's uh, going to be attending the conference we've all been burned by bad content or things that we thought were going to be good, but we entered our information or even if it was ungated, we got it, and it was great, you know so how do we reduce some of that uncertainty. And one of the ways to do that is to put the book open, right? And, uh, you know, Gong did a great example of this and they are running both the same type of strategy here, both gated types of content plays. Uh, And in this case with Gong, they just took a couple of snapshots. I don't know if these are directly from the actual content themselves or if it's actually um, something that they just mocked up with their creative team. But either way, what I can see in this little first tile here, right? is when I say less, I'm going to get more. And this is all talking about closing more business. And if reps talk less, then they close more, likely because they're asking better questions. So I can already get some value from this immediately just from looking at this ad itself. And that's the important thing. And obviously you don't have to do this in a carousel; You could do it in a lot of different ways, but that reduced the friction. And interestingly, what we find is that when we do that, the click-through rates are sometimes a lot higher. And the CPCs are a lot lower cost per clicks. And the reason for that is because we're building up a little bit of trust. And at the same time, we're optimizing for that 99% or more that are not clicking on your ad during the period of say the month when you're promoting it, you know? So another example of this with like in-channel optimization that we're experimenting a lot with and seeing some success with the clients is um, contextualized demos is what we call them. What any good sales team shouldn't be doing is making sure there's context around the demo they're giving. And um, we'll talk about actually a template and another little pink print, I think, in a slide here. But um, it's important to consider, like, who are you directing this video or this contextualized demo to, one? And then ultimately, where are they today? You know, like, what are they experiencing? What's their pain? What's the problem? What are the things that they need help with, et cetera? So once we can do that, then we can shift them into a world where, okay, cool, well, this is how we help. This is how metadata, this is how OmniLab helps, this is how Gong helps, whatever the company is. And then they now start to understand how that all is going to come together for them. And for a lot of folks, people are scared about showing their product or what it does or how it works. But this is a great way to, again, get some people comfortable. So a lot of times, uh, some very tactical kind of feedback here is, we would put this in, say, a retargeting audience. You know, the people are already warm. They've been to our website they've consumed some of our content. And now they can actually watch one of our little demos. um, That's not just like, hey, when you click this button or it does this, and then let me show you how this does that. It's not like that. It's contextualized. It's telling a story, a narrative. So ultimately, this all pulls back to your point of view and strategic narrative. So you see how those prereqs that I mentioned in the front, while not directly related to the creative, they're still indirectly related and they pass through it all. So those are some examples here. These are two clients we work with, um, great people um, that both work at SynthPace and, and Hook Security. Um, oh, and one thing I should mention, i okay on time. One thing I should mention is there's also the ability. So there's these uh, types of uh, demos that you know, are authentic and you've got people talking or whatever. You could also do uh, things like, uh, there's a company called Torial that does these cool interactive product tours. And um, basically it's kind of like pick your own journey And you could do those as well. Um, You can do that predominantly on your website is typically the best place to put it. But you could lead people to that and say, hey, take a quick product tour, like see what it's like, like experience it for yourself. Um, And I know MetaData does this on their website as well with a product tour. I think they just chose to use a video instead of a a product tour, like a tutorial type of situation. But um, but think about that and and how you can use some of these things to educate people a little bit more in channel. So, another example, last one, real quick, same type of thing with the Drift and Gong example. This is Reprise and Clearbit. So, again, just another 3D ebook. The headline's fine. It's all good. No problem. It's a fine looking ad. Uh, But ultimately, like, I don't really know what's in the book. I don't know what it's about. Like, I don't learn anything from looking at this ad, really. Uh, Now, the ad on the right, I don't think this one's a perfect example, um, to be honest. So, I really had to be critical of myself, but. Uh, I did a uh, a webinar and uh, Clearbit actually developed this out for us Um, uh, when, we, when we ran it, but it was the, the four pillars of paid media. And technically, we could have just left it at that, right? The headline, four pillars of paid media. Well, what's that about? I don't know. In this case, again, not promoting just carousels, you can do this with static image ads too, but uh, you actually see what the four pillars are. Like, boom, there they are, done, down the road, right? So It's about giving more of that value and channel and making sure that even if the clickers don't click, you still got people that actually consume that message. So the example here is uh, what I did with another little pink print here is uh, giving some context again around. All right, cool. I'm going to say identify the marketer like, hey, marketers, you're probably struggling with X, Y, Z problem, which is resulting in X, Y, Z outcome, which sucks. And we hate it. I hate it. I was a marketer, too, you know. And a company name, we actually help marketers like yourself solve that problem with X solution and achieve X outcome, right? And a lot of people do this. You might add some social proof in there, and I'm just kind of riffing right now. You might add some social proof and say like, hey, some awesome people you probably know, like X X company, Y company, Z company um, are using it. And uh, if you're actually learning more, like love to give you a personalized demo of XYZ company, right? So this is kind of like the general flow. You don't have to make it so scripty and like, you know, rigid or anything like that, but it's the general flow that any video should take. And you can use this not in just like a demo video, but you could also use this in retargeting ads too. And um, just kind of a friendly, hey, like you've probably seen some of our ads, you've probably been doing an event of ours or a blog or this or that. And it's just a nice friendly way to come off a little more authentic, optimized for the in-channel uh, consumers. And then at the same time, you know, offer a, a different kind of view that, uh, you know, an ad that doesn't really look like an ad, which we'll actually talk about here in a second. So moving quick, I think I'm okay on time. So I wanted to give a, a practical like data example. So all these numbers are real. This is not fake. I did just mock it up. So this is actually one of the clients we worked with. And one of the things to kind of bring this whole point home about like in-channel consumption is that we had on the left-hand side. Kind of the traditional way that most people promote webinars. Everyone's either been on a webinar that's listening to this probably, or has uh, ran one themselves and promoted it. Uh, so in this case, we had I think 67 registrants. We had uh, 27 that were actually live. So there's obviously always a bit of attrition from registrants to to live. And then we of course sent out the email uh, of the recording to all 67. And there might have been another email blast to the rest of their nurture campaigns and stuff like that. But just keeping the numbers simple here, another 67 got the email. So Let's say that um, we uh, looked at the data. Another ten percent, uh, roughly, actually consumed the webinar uh, on their website. So ultimately, we had thirty-three people that consumed some of the content. And I think it took them about two to three weeks to actually build the webinar. So that's a lot of work to get thirty-three people to actually view it. And I don't know exactly how much we spent off the top of my head. I think it was th- might have been three or four thousand dollars. I think that we spent promoting it to the target audience over the course of about a month. Now the new way though, and like where we wanna transition is, all right, well, now that we have made this awesome webinar, let's break it up into some small clips and then distribute it on paid. It doesn't have to be on paid, it could be on organic too. So I don't wanna sound totally biased. I mean, we do a lot of paid, but organic's fine as well. And you break up some of those clips, maybe you choose three different highlights of which you can kind of get the idea and get some context from the clip. Um, But in this case, we did, I think two or three, I believe in the campaign. And we had another 11,487 people at least watch 50% of it. We had 297 people actually click it. The click-through rate on that was very, very high, interestingly enough. Again, optimizing front-channel consumption doesn't necessarily kill CTR. And then we had another 50 that went to the website and watched it. So now we're looking at 11,570 people that actually consumed the webinar versus the 33. So it's like, where would you rather be? And the thing is, like, most people are not doing it on the right side. They're just thinking about the next piece of content and Justin Simon over at Metadata, hats up to him, I and mean, he has a ton of good content on repurposing. So um, again, you know, think about those types of things when you're thinking about in-channel consumption and also kind of a little uh, bit of the repurposing side as well. And I'm not gonna go into a ton of detail here, but this is another kind of pink print idea of the typical flow, right? You've got build a webinar, live event, shoot it out to your email list, break it into clips, distribute on either paid, organic, or other channels. That's the typical flow for this type of thing. Now, What are some ads that don't look as much like ads? And what does it even mean? Everyone probably has a different definition on this. And ads that don't look like ads for me and for us really just means that if they look a little bit different or out of the norm than a typical ad, then to me, that classifies as ads that don't look like ads. Or also when I'm looking at organic content, if the ad actually looks a little bit like an organic post, then to me, that kind of looks like an ad that's not an ad. And these are two examples. so the one on the left actually looks like a magazine. you might think. It literally looks like someone laid down a magazine down on the floor. Now it looks nice, of course, you could probably make this more authentic if you wanted. Lay down a magazine on the floor, and then they added this we added this little like giffy kind of um you know flippy motion on the actual piece of creative itself, just to kind of get your attention, right? Because remember what I said about the pink sheep stuff, like we want to stand out, we want to be the pink sheep. And uh, to do that, we need just little ways, like little simple things that we can do to kind of stand out and be a little bit different. This one totally breaks my headline rule with text, so a little bit different. And the whole reason for that was really because this was kind of built with the idea of it being more like a magazine um, than necessarily just a straight up headline. So a little bit different than my typical rules of thumb uh, with regards to that pink print I showed you in the beginning. And then on the right-hand side, we've got another one where uh, a good client of ours, Arrows, uh, did this uh, cool, they had a great post. Uh, he did it from his personal profile, Stewart did, and got a lot of engagement. Looks like 200 likes, 178 comments, a share. That's great. So we took a snapshot of that and then we actually distributed it out directly to his ICP. Now, what's so cool about this is that you know, you might say, well, why would I want to spend paid to kind of do what I can already do on organic? Well, the reason is, is because you're only connected with so many people that are in your ICP. You probably have a lot of people that are from old companies or people that follow you at your company and all sorts of things like that, right? So paid guarantees the distribution exactly to those people. So you can do that. And in a way that, you know, it doesn't really look like an ad, you know, this just looks like something you would consume when you're looking at a different text post. And then the last two examples, um, Again, uh, I know I've kind of brought up metadata just because it's a metadata conference again, because I think these guys are doing it right. Um, Another example of uh, Jason here just doing a cool little video. I think this is the retargeting video he uses sometimes where he's like, hey, marketers, you may have seen my ad type of thing. And it very much follows the exact flow that I talked about earlier that we always recommend to our clients. And a good way just to kind of stand out. It looks more authentic. It just looks like a regular post, you know, like this looks like something that he might just put out there as an organic thing. On the other side, you've got Laura over here over her Dream Data. They're an attribution company. And she actually had this video. Um, I think she posted it organically, I believe. And then um, she just reposted it because she got so much engagement organically on it that she wanted to put some fuel on it, which is exactly the way to think about paid uh, with regards to creative. So she put some fuel on the fire, distributed ad directly to her ICP. I think this one was like a bottom of the funnel type of ad. She was asking for, um, you know, if you were interested in a demo and you'd seen some of her content, something like that. So those are some examples of like ads that don't look like ads, but there's a lot of different ways. I know I can't talk about all of them because I'm running out of time, probably close to done. So I'll kind of try to call it a day right here. Uh, But hopefully this is pretty valuable for you all. If um, anyone wants these pink prints, I know it says download here. It's not gated. There's no sales pitch, no pitch slapping, none of that craziness. I promise, Mark, promise, promise, promise. Uh, it's purely just like if you guys want some of those pink prints and want to look at them um, for your own use, then uh, please do so. Otherwise, I really, really hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Demand Podcast. Again, I'm Jonathan Bland, the co founder of Omnilab. I'll also have with me Jason Steele, who's the other co founder of Omnilab on this podcast as well. Uh, we're a demand gen agency for C to Series B SaaS startups. Um, if you like this episode, uh, or you're looking for some help with the Mansion, please feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn over a DM, or you can go just directly to our website, that's omnilabconsulting.com. Otherwise, uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode where we'll be talking about all things Mansion. Until then, thanks. Bye-bye.